Hi, Riley. Hi, Cole. How does she bribe you to get up here? I didn't bribe him. I made him. You get just up. you're just being <laughs> just kind and nice. All right. We're open to Proverbs 15. We're going to read Proverbs 15, kids, and then we're going to dismiss you to junior church. Got that, Alice? We're going to read the Bible together, and then I'm going to send you out to uh, junior church in just a minute. So we've got, a, we've got a class for you to come in in just a second if you want to go. Um, you ready? How much are you reading? I'm reading 23 verses. Oh, nice. Okay, good. Way to overachieve. I appreciate that. So Proverbs 15, follow along with Riley as she reads. Proverbs 15, go. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but a per but preserveness in it breaks the spirit. A fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. In the house of the righteous there is much treasure, but trouble befalls the income of the wicked. The lips of the wise spread knowledge, not so to the hearts of fools. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is acceptable to him. The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he loves him he loves him who pursues righteousness. There is severe discipline for him who forsakes the way. Whoever hates reproof will die. Sheol and Abaddon lie open before the Lord. How much more the hearts of the children of man. A scoffer does not like the reproved. He will not go to the wise. A glad heart makes a cheerful face, but by sorrow a heart of the spirit is crushed. The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouths of fools feed on folly. All the days of the afflicted are evil, but the cheerful of heart is, has a continual feast. Better is a little, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than a great treasure and trouble with it. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened, than a fattened ox and hatred with it. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. The way of a sluggard is like an edge of thorns, but the path of the upright is a is a level highway. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish man despises his mother. Folly is a joy to him who lacks sense, but a man of understanding walks straight ahead. Without counsel, plans fail, but many advisor, with many advisors they succeed. To make an apt answer is, to, is a joy to a man. And a word in season, how good it is. Verse 24. The path of life leads upward for the prudent to keep them from going down to the realm of the dead. The, the Lord tears down the house of the proud, but he sets the widow's boundary stones in place. The Lord detests the thoughts of the wicked, but gracious words are pure in his sight. The greedy bring ruin to their households, but the one who hates bribes will live. The heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. Light in a messenger's eyes brings joy to the heart, and good news gives health to the bones. Whoever heeds life-giving correction will be at home among the wise. Those who disregard discipline despises themselves. But the one who heeds correction gains understanding. Wisdom, wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord, and humility comes before honor. 
Excellent work. Good job. Give them a hand. Thank you. Good reading. Whole chapter. All right, King's Kids, if you're in second grade on down and you want to go to the junior church, you are dismissed. We've got Graydon and Molly in there today. They've got a snack for you. They've got a Bible story and maybe some kind of activity. So if you want to go, uh, we've got one, two, three, four, five. We've got six or so of you. Uh, and parents afterwards, just go through those double doors, the next set of double doors, and they're right in there. Don't forget your kids when you go home. Or I'll send them with you. <laughs> After church today, we are going to have lunch down the hallway. So if you're already thinking about, if you smell something that smells really good, it's a taco bar and it's already smelling up the place. It smells really good down there. Right on the back of the men's breakfast. Thank you guys who came to the bacon extravaganza yesterday. That was delicious. Run me a, whoa, run me a battery up here while I'm thinking of it. I don't know how to open this new one. Two double A's. See, it's new. You're like, oh, I've got a, I've got a nine volt. So put your finger in Proverbs 15. We're going to look at verses 16 and 17. The title is going to be Fear and Love Outweigh Treasure and Opulence. Fear and love outweigh treasure and opulence. While I get operated on. Verse 16 says, Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. So in these two verses, we have better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. And the first, uh, my first gut response was, well, okay, I see the formula there, but I want to avoid trouble in verse 16, and I want to avoid hatred in my life. Hating other people and other people hating me, both kinds of hatred. It flows both directions. And trouble, trouble that I cause and trouble that is heaped upon me. So it both flow in both directions. So my big question for this sermon is, in a broken world, how can we avoid trouble and hatred? I mean, yeah, exactly. Proverbs speaks to that. How can we avoid trouble and hatred? First point, Fear the Lord and find contentment. There's contentment in both verses. Verses 16 and 17. Better is a little and then better is a dinner of herbs. That's a simple meal. That's a, that's a vegetarian meal. That's, that's something you didn't have to probably even cook. It's the simplicity of it is what should come through, not, not whether or not it's, it's vegan or not. That's, that's not the point. It's the simplicity Less of preparation. It's simple. It's easy. It says find contentment. I use the word find because throughout the Bible, uh, contentment is not just something that happens. It's not just something that um, is accidental. You need to find it. And that takes focus. The principle at work here is the principle of godly contentment. And that runs throughout the Bible. Godly contentment. Biblically, contentment is not about stuff, whether we have little or whether we have much. Contentment is about our heart and our desires. So write down on the next blank the, the principle of godly contentment. There you go. 
It's not a fun exercise. But take all of your life and burn it to the ground. Lose all the people. Lose all the employees. Lose all the wealth. Lose your home. Even lose the support of your spouse. Put yourself in Job's life. Godly contentment says, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. (coughs) Blessed be the name of the Lord. Through tears, through heartache, through pain, through suffering, Godly contentment, biblically based contentment, finds our rest not in stuff, not in people, not in circumstances, not in seasons of life. Biblical, godly contentment places everything in God's hands. And I'm content with whatever you take away or give back to me. That is not normal. That takes discipline and focus. When all the voices of life are telling you how to feel, biblical contentment says, I'm going to feel whatever God wants me to feel, and I'm going to praise Him for it. I'm going to glorify Him for it because I trust Him through it, even if I don't like it. That's the key. It's not, contentment is not about whether or not you like what is going on. It could be evil that is assailing you. You don't have to like it, but you trust God through it and he makes you content, not your circumstances. Blessed be the name of the Lord. How is that possible? Um, Better is a little, what's the key phrase here? The fear of, of the Lord. Better is a little, in verse 16, better is a little with the fear of the Lord. A fear of the Lord is the ability to find contentment anywhere, at any time, around any person. Because it's an inner strength, it's a personal faith in Jesus Christ that nobody can ever beat out of you, torture out of you, or take away from you. That's contentment. Me and God, even if the world burns, even if I burn. I read a crazy story this, of a martyr and I think it was in the 1600s and under severe persecution, this church leader had recanted his faith at one point. He did it privately as he was being tortured And they said, okay, we're going to let you live because you recanted. A few months later, they said, burn him at the stake anyway, even though he recanted. Um, And so he's at the stake, and they said, okay, recant one more time publicly just to show everybody that faith in Jesus is a waste of time. And he was tied. Somehow he got a hand free. (laughs) And he told everybody he will not recant They lit the fire, and he said, this is the hand I recanted with my signature. And he purposefully (laughs) stuck his hand in the fire to be burned before the rest of him. To recant his recanting, or actually to confess his true allegiance in Jesus, even though he was dying, even though he was suffering great physical pain, He had a faith in God that was going to be content even as he died. See, contentment is not, it's it's not like, it doesn't just wash over you and make you feel peace. It doesn't just, it doesn't just wash over you and, and make you feel comfortable. That's not contentment. Contentment is a steadfast love in something that is beyond you that nobody can ever take away, even if you're being beaten to death. Like Stephen with the face of an angel focusing on the person and the work of Jesus knowing he's dying but he's okay 
knowing he's dying, but he's okay. Like that is contentment. And the New Testament talks a lot about contentment. First uh, Timothy 6, I'm going to read 6 through 10 in a minute here, but I just want to read the beginning of it. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. Godliness with contentment is great gain. So the fear of the Lord brings godliness, and that leads to contentment. If you don't feel content today, the solution is, next blank, to reset, restart, refocus on the fear of the Lord in your daily life. This is why we read the Bible regularly. This is why we need to learn to pray regularly. This is why we assemble as a church regularly. It's to constantly put before us our greater hope. Hope is not in us. Hope is in Jesus. That's the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is to love the Lord, to care about the Lord, to revere Him, to awe, to be in awe of Him, to respect Him so much that you keep giving Him your time. You keep giving Him your worship. You keep singing to Him. You keep giving to Him. You keep serving other people in His name for His sake because He's so good to you. You overflow with good towards others. Him and you, you back to Him. It's not you working your way up to Him right if I just do enough no you can't do enough because he is already enough to add to that is ridiculous you cannot add to what he's already given you but you can love him out of what he's already given you so how can we avoid trouble and hatred in this life find contentment and number two how else can we avoid some trouble and hatred in this life? Well, fear the Lord again and avoid worldliness. It is the world that is obsessed with wealth and opulence and treasure and feasting. It is the world that lives for the moment. It is the world that thinks they're only going to live once. It is the world that lives fast and furious, going after whatever they want, wherever they can get it. it that, that, is, that is the mindset of those who are not content with God. They see all, all their happiness relies upon themselves. So it's understandable why the world is running with their hair on fire. Yeah, I'm lit. Yeah, you're lit. Like, there's a price for that. It's death. It's destruction. So in Proverbs 16 and 17, I see a, I see a warning against focusing on the wrong thing. Yeah, you may have great treasure. You're going to have a great trouble. Yeah, you may have the fattened ox, but... There can be hatred there too. Like not all that glitters is gold. Better a little with the fear of the Lord and where love is. And by the way, in case you hadn't noticed it, there are some false gospels in our world. Some false messages that promise prosperity and health and peace. It kind of goes along the line of if you have enough faith, then you can avoid all sickness and all trouble. And if you suffer, it must be your fault for not having enough faith for deliverance or faith for abundance or faith to make God's word manifest in your life. Those are all red flag words, by the way. You, you must not be saying the right words or pronouncing them right. Um... That is, to say it bluntly, Pentecostal charismatic hogwash. And I've come to realize it's also the prosperity gospel. It's also a form of legalism. 
it's legalism because it says, if I do say and act this way, God will do this. We were a church caught up in that. If I, if I keep my hair at this length, if I don't gamble, if I don't go to movies, if I don't wear pants, ladies, if I... <laughs> it's, it's, not a, it's, it's not a Pentecostal problem. It's a human problem of setting up these false steps and thinking every time I hit those, God's going to respond. That's legalism. Legalism, write this down. Legalism expects behavior to determine spiritual reality. And that is backwards. We need to grasp the truth of spiritual reality and then that changes us and changes our behavior. Then we, we don't just do the right thing. We want to do the right thing. God changes our very motivation. God changes us. And the right thing can vary slightly from person to person, from family to family, from experience to experience. You know, from a family of alcoholics, I don't want to be around alcohol. I've smelt it. I've dealt it. I'm done with it. But the Bible doesn't say you can't drink. It says don't be a drunk. Don't be addicted. Don't have any crutches. Legalism says always say no. Spiritual reality says listen to God speak through His Word. Listen to God speak through prayer. Listen to God speak through the testimony and warnings of other Christians. Listen to God speak through circumstances. Listen to the spiritual reality. Let that change you. And don't get caught up in the many false gospels that are out there because they are worldliness, even in churches, even in preachers, even in certain books and authors. We have to be on guard. I think we're pretty good about avoiding the worldliness that's obvious. We're not so good sometimes when somebody comes to us in the cloak of Jesus says, the Bible says, or this church says. We have got to throw up our guard all the time. Not all teachers are under shepherds. Some are wolves. Not all sheep have wool. Some are goats. Jesus, parable after parable, there are false converts, false teachers, false apostles, false, false, false. And this wisdom from Solomon here, better is a little with the fear of the Lord, better is a dinner of herbs where love is. The fear of the Lord and the presence of God's love in our lives gives us something solid to treasure and stop always looking for more. Legalism promises there are always going to be more rules, there are always going to be more principles, there are always going to be something new here, something new here, shiny, glittery, go after it. We want to be a church that keeps coming back to the same old gospel message. Fear the Lord, love Him with all your heart, and love your neighbor as yourself. That will keep you very busy. But I don't know about such and such. And I don't know everything about so and so. And what about, what about, what about this? Don't get swallowed by the complexities of the world. Keep it simple, stupid. As Eric said in the men's meeting yesterday. He lives by the kiss principle. Keep it simple, stupid. Oh, he said silly, yeah. He thought stupid was too hard. I brought it out. You're right. Keep it, yeah, he doesn't, I think he taught his kids that. Don't call anybody stupid. So it's like, keep it simple, silly. Like, (laughs) that sounds way more Eric. (laughs) Keep it simple, silly, yeah. Uh, 
So be aware of that. Go to the next blank. Fear the Lord. Be content with little and don't pierce yourself with treasures. Living for the things of the world will bring trouble about. I get the word pierce from the last line of 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 through 10. Let me read that passage again with a little more. Listen. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. That last line just pierced themselves. Yes, there are ways that the world can hurt you, but your biggest enemy is yourself your own evil desires, your own evil habits, do they not always turn right back around and hurt us, our lives, our relationships the most? We are dangerous. So verse 17 has a prescription for that. Instead of chasing treasure, chasing the fattened ox, living for a life of opulence, Verse 17, better is a simple dinner of herbs. And here's the key phrase, where love is. This is not pie in the sky, oh, I love you. This is not just lovey-dovey. This is not just romance. This is paralleled with fear of the Lord. Verse 16, better with fear of the Lord. Verse 17, better where love is. They're together. The fear of the Lord is loving God. They do go together. That's why these verses are side by side. That's why I'm doing them together. That's what he's talking about. Loving the Lord with all your heart. That will protect you from piercing yourself. Because you're living for something. You're filled with a love that will take you beyond yourself. And help you avoid hatred. A heart filled with God's love avoids hatred. All of it? No. So if I do these things in Proverbs, there will be no trouble and no hatred in my life. No. Proverbs are general observations of what it looks like when spiritual people are spiritual and when worldly people are worldly. Sometimes the worldly people lose all their wealth. Sometimes... The spiritual people lose all their wealth. Sometimes the worldly people are exalted and given way too much power and attention and fame. And sometimes the spiritual people are brought down low and die a life. Die in a life of obscurity. No attention, no fame. And God gets no attention, so you think. But God knows. We read a proverb on that. The eyes of the Lord. Is that verse 2? Verse 3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. He's keeping watch on the evil and on the good. He, he knows. He's seeing. And there will be a reckoning. Last blank on this section. The fear of the Lord trusts God through troubles. And by the way, whatever troubles you go through, if you have the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord lessens the impact. You are going to suffer. You are going to hurt. You're going to sin. You're going to make mistakes and there will be consequences. People you love are going to sin and make mistakes and then you're going to suffer some of their consequences. You will have trouble. We can't escape the trouble of this world. We can't escape the troubles of ourselves and our own hearts. It's coming, but... The fear of the Lord and filling up on the love of God gives us something solid to stand on and it may not remove all the troubles, but it sure does lessen the impact. We do not grieve 
as the world grieves. We do not weep and wail and lose hope the way the world weeps and wails and loses hope. You are allowed to hurt. You are allowed to feel pain. You are allowed even to question God. Read the Psalms. You are allowed to question God, but make sure you're bringing your complaints to Him. Make sure you're airing your opinions to Him. Make sure you're telling Him what you think. That is a valid form of prayer. But you keep praying. You keep focusing. You keep talking to Him until He turns the corner in your life. Because if you will genuinely voice all of your grievances to God as long as it takes to pour your heart out, He will show up. Because he, he's big enough to handle you. He can handle a brat. He can handle a petulant child. He can handle whatever you throw at him. As long as you're throwing it at him. As long as you're directing at him. That in itself may be the only thing of faith that you can do in your darkest moment. Is to take it to him. If you're aimed in the right direction, it'll work because you know he's listening or you wouldn't be talking to him. You know he cares or you wouldn't be talking to him. Take it to him. Talk to him. If you don't even have the words to pray, open up to the book of Psalms and read one of those Psalms as your prayer to God. You don't have to be clever. That's what the word's here for. You can look at the words and prayers of other people that God has spoken to. Read the Psalms back to God and you're gonna find some angry ones. You're gonna find some vengeful ones. You're gonna, you're gonna read some, they're talking to God, you're good. But you're gonna identify with that. My favorite part of praying through the Psalms, avoiding worldliness, handling trouble that's coming into my life, handling hatred that's in my heart. My favorite part of reading the Psalms is you read long enough and every time it comes back to God and you remember who He is and you remember His greater plan that you're just a small piece in His giant puzzle and it will work out. How can we avoid trouble and hatred? Well, point number one was fear the Lord and find contentment. How else can we avoid trouble and hatred? Point number two is fear the Lord and avoid worldliness. And point number three, how can we avoid trouble and hatred? Fear the Lord and learn humility. Learn humility. And I want you to jump to verse 33. It's the last verse in Proverbs 15. It says, the fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom. And humility comes before honor. Reminder. The Proverbs are poetry. They are organized. There is rhythm and rhyme. There is wordplay. We lose a lot of that when we go from one language to another, as you should have learned in Spanish class, right? They don't always put things in the same word order. Words aren't always spelled the same, don't sound the same. The Hebrew on this is beautiful, and there's a lot of parallelism uh, so your next blank is to show you just a little glimpse of that. The parallelism is this. The fear of the Lord, it leads to wisdom. It instructs you in the path or the way of wisdom. It's not just uh, verbal instruction. It's a pathway. Fear of the Lord leads to wisdom. If you fear the Lord, it will lead to growing wise in who God is, what God expects, and how to live your life. Fearing the Lord is first and it leads to wisdom. And here's the parallel with the second part of the verse. You want honor? First, humility. Fear the Lord leads to wisdom just like humility leads to honor. Honor is a good thing. Honor is earned respect and attention for a noble effort or action. Let me say that again. Honor is a good thing. Honor is earned respect and attention for a noble effort or a noble action. You do something honorable and noble, you get 
praise for it. That's a good thing. But Solomon and Jesus take that idea of being high and honored and lifted up and flip it on its holy head. Because in God's sight, those who are the most honored are the most humble. Those who receive the most glory have the most humility. Those who are the greatest serve the most. Those who God gives the most attention to are washing the feet even of their enemies, even with their own blood, laying their life, their life down for others. Humility, humbleness leads to honor. Like that's not just a New Testament teaching from the lips of Jesus. Jesus is fleshing it out and expanding upon the very wisdom of God already revealed in Proverbs. It's right there. Humility comes before honor. And it's the fear of the Lord driving the whole thing. So the fear of the Lord, learn humility, gain wisdom, and gain honor. So in God's wisdom, humility leads to true honor. By the way, Humility of verse 33 diffuses the trouble and the hatred of verses 16 and 17. When the fear of the Lord and the love of God are in your life, your humility helps snuff out a lot of trouble, helps diffuse a lot of hatred in situations. Because the person who is humble, they say things like this, what can I do to help? What have I done to cause this? The words of the humble are basically, I am not more valuable than you are. Does that resonate with you? you that phrase coming out of your lips will will diffuse and end a lot of fights and arguments. You're contentious. You're, I mean, even, even over something at work. I'm right, you're right. I'm right, I'm, you're right. You know what, Bob? I am not more valuable than you. Let's go with your plan. It's not a matter of sin. You're just arguing over maybe the right way to do something, the right order to do something, or in your marriage. Handling of the kids, handling of the finances. Step back when you feel there's contention, when you feel there's trouble, when there's some anger, some hatred rising up. You don't understand me. You know what? You're right. I am not more valuable than you are in this situation. And humility lets others go first. Humility lets others have their way. Humility says, I love you more than I love being right. Whoa. Humility says I love you more than I need to preach that I'm right. Does that not picture Jesus Christ in the last day of his life? He taught a few things. He said a few things. But he wasn't preaching at Pontius Pilate or Herod or the men who were beating him. Jesus was proving his humility and his great love by laying down his life even for those who were determined to be his enemies. He laid down his life. That is true humility and true humility does not need to win the argument. True humility places all the outcomes into God's hands. So fear the Lord and learn humility to lessen the troubles and hatred that are a part of your daily life. <laughs> Quick exercise. You know, for a, you know pretty well what's going to happen this next week, don't you? 
work, kids, responsibilities, your habits, your schedule. You kind of know what's coming, don't you? You kind of know. You kind of know what trouble's coming this week. You kind of know the people you are going to be around. You kind of you kind of know the traffic, the bad drivers the things you want at Walmart that aren't there, that haven't been there for a long time, you don't want to buy a name brand, you're dead set, you're not buying that even. I'm waiting for that to come back. I'm not, I'll go somewhere else. I mean, you're going to go to Aldi for one thing. You could have bought that one thing at Walmart, but on principle, I mean, you're going to be irritated. It's going to rise up within you. You're going, you know the trouble that's coming this week. How can you lessen that? and not let it crush you. Or maybe you don't know, but you've seen it in other people. You know a kid can make a 180 in one week. You know a teen can make a decision that will change the rest of their life. They are oblivious to it, but you know. How can you respond to that on a deep level? How can, how can you respond to the trouble of a diagnosis Stage four, anything. How can you lessen the impact of all the trouble, all the stress of life? According to Solomon, it's learning contentment coupled with the fear of the Lord and filling up on the love of God. So get ready for it. You are getting ready for it. That's why you're here. You can do this. You're in the right place, hearing the right words from the right God. He knows. That should give you a lot of comfort. And He has a secret for your success. Him, not yourself. Next blank. You can't remove all the troubles in life, but you can change yourself, change your focus, change your habits. I want to end by reading those verses that I've got uh, bullet pointed at the bottom of your outline, just to show to you this idea of, of godly contentment, fear and love outweighing trouble and hatred. It's, it's not only in Proverbs 15 or 1 Timothy. Proverbs 16, 8. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. Proverbs 38 and 9. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me, God, with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. I'm thinking of Peter. What brought Peter? What taught the apostle Peter to be content? A lot of failure. You, re you realize that? The Apostle Peter learned to be content because he made so many dumb mistakes. How many in here are going to have to learn contentment through all your dumb mistakes? Welcome to the Peter Club. Like, that's a lot of us, right? What oh, Thomas. What taught the Apostle Thomas contentment? Doubt. Until the Lord said, here, reach out. Touch my hand. Touch my side. It's only, sometimes it, God can even use your doubt for good. Philippians 4, the Apostle Paul says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty Facing hunger, facing abundance, facing need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The Apostle Paul is speaking about the strength of God to carry him through trouble. And 2 Corinthians 12.10 For the sake of Christ then, I am content with weaknesses, I am content with insults. I am content with hardships, persecutions. I am content with calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
The upside down truth of God is when you are at your lowest, weakest, worst, it's then He can be at His best in you, through you, in Christ. That's where we need to be, in Jesus. So, your last line, the fullness of God's love eclipses earthly wants. The fullness of God's love eclipses earthly wants, earthly troubles, earthly hatred, earthly problems. Stand with me, please. Let's pray. <clears throat> Bow your head and close your eyes for just a second so you're not distracted. I want you to think about you. You don't need to be thinking about your neighbor. You don't need to be thinking about anybody else. I want you to use this quiet moment for you to think about yourself and ask yourself, how have I been handling trouble and hatred in my life? Am I trusting God? Am I finding contentment in who He is? Am I doing my part to avoid worldliness to the best of my ability? Or am I giving in to my flesh? Am I giving in to the temptations that are around me? God, where can I learn some humility? And let me warn you, if you ask God to humble you, it might hurt. But if you know you need it, it should hurt. God, we come to you now as a people who forget to be content in Jesus. And we ask you to change our hearts this morning. Teach us what it means to fear you and to fill up on your love. If there, if there are things we need to do, help us to do it this week. If we've been neglecting good, help us to do that. If we've been partaking and if we are stuck in evil, then God, deliver us. We need you to change us. Be our great God. We need to fear you more than we fear and love anything else. Help us to fear and love you first, foremost, and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Sing with us. In grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me.
you to lunch uh, down the hallway after lunch in about half an hour we're going to have a our semi-annual members meeting we've got we don't have anything sensitive so if you're not a member and you're interested in how our meetings go you can you can come and watch uh, you just can't vote we don't have anything critical to vote on it's pretty laid back but we do have some new members to welcome into fellowship and vote on and a couple business issues so let me pray for the meal and then i'm going to read the benediction Heavenly Father, thank you for the food and for those who prepared it. Use it to the nourishment and encouragement of our bodies and our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Now to the King of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only true God, be honor and glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, amen. You are dismissed.